Welcome to the River Valley Podcast. River Valley is a group of people seeking to connect to Jesus and connect to each other. And we're excited that you're here. Whether you're listening at home, on the job, maybe at the gym, in the car, wherever you're joining us, I hope that you'll open up your heart, open up your mind, and receive a fresh word from the Lord today. Enjoy the message. We're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6 today. Uh, one of the things that happened this week, uh, I, I actually, I had my weeks off last week. I thought school started this week because my kids are in college. It's so weird how quickly uh, you forget everything. And so school started this week, which is always sort of a mixed bag when I announce that. Parents, when I was like, school starting, parents were like, yay. Uh, yeah, I mean, you, you know, you, you just sort of look at your child and how can I miss you if you won't go away? Yeah, you know, and so just, and then, but the there's also, when I say school starting this week, there's also people who stare at me like, like they hate me. Those are the teachers, the administrators, all of those are like, we need two more months of summer at least. Amen? Teachers, you need a little bit more time. And so... Um, so as school starts out, we did um, move my son into college. And so I've moved my daughter now and I've moved my son. And there's a little bit of a difference. Let me tell you. So when Livy uh, decides she is going to school, she immediately got a hold of her roommate because they're in the dorm together. And they coordinated everything. I mean, everything. You know, like we have to have matching toothbrushes. I, I mean, everything. And so bedspreads and blankets and towels and, and all of that. When Creed moved into the dorm, his roommate called him one day and goes, hey, dude, do you have any decorations? And Creed goes, no. He goes, to you? He goes, I have a Talladega Nights Ricky Bobby poster. And he's like, well, I guess we're done. I mean, that was it. You know, <laughs> that, was, that was the extent of their, of their experience. So, so it's just very, very uh, different uh, moving them in in that way. And so, you know, uh, th there's a moment where w whatever it is, you know, you send your children off to the military, uh, they join the workforce, they go to college, they move out. There's, there's this moment that you do that, and you're packing up things. And, and, uh, but, but I want to give you an a, a illustration that I used with Libby that I think is, is wonderful. Um, I want you to imagine that your entire life with this child until they go off on their own for their next uh, set of endeavors. That, that this is a suitcase that you've been packing for them their whole life. You started packing this suitcase for them little by little, moment by moment, for the entire time that they were with you. And now they're going off and they've got a new job. And, and this is the most important one. I mean, clothes will come and go, and, but this is the one that you, you, you want to hand to them and say, hey, this is the one that I've been, we've been packing together for 18 years. Now, I called it, and I don't know, you know, if I, I don't know where this name came from, but this is the suitcase of sacred truths. This is the suitcase of the things that in your life you want to make sure are passed on to the next generation. Don't forget this. Don't forget this. It, this is not the suitcase you packed two days before. This is the suitcase that you pack for literally uh, 18, 20 years, you, you know, that type of timeline, little by little along the way. And this, this is the suitcase of sacred truths. And it's not just spiritual ones. It's all of the things that you believe that, that really cultivate an abundant life, that really help you have a great life. And so you, you, you send this out with them and, 
From time to time, uh, you hope that they will open it up and you hope that they will look at it for the, the lessons and they will pull out things like, oh, here's, here's the dating one. Dating, marriage, and sex, in that order, it's really important. That kind of thing. This is the one where you talk about money and finances. This is the one where you talk about eternal things. And so today I want us to look at and imagine if you're brand new, maybe you're not even married yet, maybe you're pregnant, maybe, I mean, anywhere along the spectrum, it's going to hit you. What is the spiritual truth? What is the thing, that, the, the spiritual truth that you want to put in here? Today, I'm going to talk about literally the most important truth. Because what this truth does is if you do it well, it helps all of the other truths. It actually helps everything else in your life go according to plan. This is also the one that if you miss out on this one, even if you have a great marriage, even if you have a great job, even if you uh, do well financially, even if your children and grandchildren, it, without this truth, then you are in trouble in eternity. So what is the one truth that you want to make sure that goes into this, and how do you live that out in that way? And so we're going to look at the spiritual truth and what God says is the most important lesson. This, this passage, this is the first time in Deuteronomy or in the Bible that it's talked about, but this is a passage that over and over and over comes up. So Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning in verse 1, we're going to go through 9, uh, and we're going to do it in stages. So here's what the Bible says. This is the command, the statutes and the ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life by keeping all of his statutes and commands I am giving you your son and your grandson so that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel. And be careful to follow them so you may prosper by, and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. And so I want us to look first at, uh, if you ever really want to dig into the Bible well, look for repeated phrases. One of the things that you're going to see, if there's ever a repeated phrase, uh, then it's, it's there for a reason. So three verses, four times in this text, it says the word, so that. You do this, so that, so that, so that. It's this idea of this connection between action, the things that you do, and reward, the things that you get because you are doing the right actions. You do this action so that this. You do this action so that this. It talks about that. And what's interesting to me about this text is it hadn't even told you the command yet. We're going to get to the command in the next, it says it's coming, but you're going to do it so that. It's Jesus setting us up, and if you're new to Christianity today, Jesus is setting this up so you can go, look, it's not about the rules. It's about he really truly wants to bless your life, and so if you'll follow him, then this will happen, then this will happen. And so five things uh, in here that he talks about that you can have. So first of all, he says, when you follow Christ, when you do this command that he's going to give us in a second, he says, you will follow the Israelites into this land. You will go into this land. Now, this is exciting. This, I am so thankful for this. He's, what he's saying here is, I have a home and a place for you. I have somewhere for you to be. He's going to talk about how good of a land it is in a moment. But 
Think about that. I mean, I, I know people who have been strung out on drugs. I know people who have lost everything financially. I know people who have completely ruined their lives and alienated their family and people around them. And here's Jesus saying, if you'll follow me, he doesn't just say, I'll forgive you. Absolutely, he will. He says, I'll give you a home. I'll show you a place. I have a place for you. Can you imagine the Israelites who have been slaves for generations? And now all of a sudden, they're free. Yay! Where are we going to live? Uh-oh. How are we going to pay for it? What are we going to do? Like they have, they have nothing to do but rely on Jesus. So now all of a sudden, Jesus is saying, I have a home for you and a place for you. Jesus has a home. I remember uh, when we first moved here, we moved out from West Texas and uh, it was a lot cheaper to live out there than it was in the Austin metro area. Uh, and so we moved out here and uh, we were looking around and we couldn't find anything to buy. We couldn't afford anything at first. And, and uh, we lived in an RV uh, for a month in August uh, in, in this heat. And, uh, you know, when you're from West Texas, you're like, I hate the humidity. This is a horrible mistake. Uh, that's, and, and we lived in this RV and it, it was, and then we got a, a two-bedroom apartment. And I remember my wife, when she tells the story, she'll say, I was driving around praying for a home. But when she tells it to me, she was like, it was mostly crying. Uh, and so, yeah, you know, a little praying and a lot of crying. But then we found the home. I mean, we, and it was the best house we'd ever had. And it was undervalued. It was, it was just this great deal. God had a home for us. God had a place for us. And he has that for you. He really, truly does. He also says, so that you may, number two, fear the Lord. This, this idea of fear the Lord doesn't mean afraid. It means reverence and awe. It means right relationship. Jesus is saying, listen, I want you to follow me so that we can know each other, so that you can know the God of the universe, so that you can have this relationship, right relationship with me. And then he says, you do these things so that I will teach you, your son, and your grandson. This is the idea of generational Christianity, which I love at River Valley. I love the idea of generational Christianity. You got to see it on the baptism video. You got to see a whole family get baptized. But, but uh, the dad baptized the children and, and, and uh, the mom, and they were all there together. Uh, we had one, I had one guy uh, come up to me and he said, hey, I need to tell you a story. We, we had generational Christianity, but not all today. My wife and I got baptized at River Valley 10 years ago. And you talk, we were back in the middle school, and we would set up this portable uh, um, baptistry. In fact, one time the administration call, called me, and they go, did you, did you put a jacuzzi on the lawn? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, not exactly, right? <laughs> so, so we baptized them, and then they said, uh, our older children, we baptized them uh, five or six years ago, and then our youngest child we baptized today. So this idea of generational Christianity, it's for you. You follow that. Why? So that you can hear it, your son can hear it, and your grandson can hear it. And we are doing it, and God is blessing us tremendously. Last week in River, in, uh, River Valley Children's, Last week in that building right there, we had 183 children. That is amazing. That is a lot of kids. That's good. I love it. That's a church with a future and a hope. And they're not the next generation of Christians. They're now. When you accept Christ, you are a part of the church. And if you're like me, uh, let's see. There they are. Here's all three of us. Robin, I'm not going to embarrass you, but, and Rochelle, I'm not going to embarrass you, but raise your hands. Raise your hands. All right. Let me show you something. You want, a, you want a great vision? You want a great vision for your life? 
So these the, uh, two of our friends, uh, they're in group together. But all three of our children graduated. So we're all, we all turned empty nesters at the exact same time. But here's what's interesting. Our children have known each other and have grown together all the way through their childhood at River Valley. All the way through. They, they, they know each other. They love each other. Matthew and Taylor and Creed, they're just, they, and, and they're going to go their separate ways, but they'll always have that moment of, I grew up. I remember Matthew and, and, and Creed, they would, we wouldn't let them cuss, so they love to talk about hell because uh, they could say hell, you know? <laughs> You're like, all right, let's quit, quit saying that. And then Taylor's the mom. She's like, y'all quit saying, you know, that kind of thing. And so I love that idea, generational Christianity, your, your kids together and growing up together and you leading them in the next phase. That's an awesome, awesome testimony. And he also says, uh, number four, why? So that you may have a long life. You may have a long life that God may bless you with years and not just with years, but fill those years. And then he says, number five, I want you to have, not only have a long life, but I want you to have a good life. He says, I want you to prosper. He uses that word. I want you to multiply greatly. I want to take you into the land flowing with milk and honey. All of these things. Why do we follow Christ? We follow Christ because he first loved us. We follow Christ so we have a relationship with him, so we can spend eternity with him. But there are so many rich rewards of following Jesus. So that, so that, so that. And so he starts out with this is the way that we should follow him. And now he's going to give us the actual command. Let's look at verses 4 and 5. He says, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Here's the command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. So, uh, yeah. We're not going to read that one yet. Just four and five. All right, so pretend you didn't hear that yet. All right, here we go. So um, he says, look, here it is. Here's the command. Here's what you need to do. Love the Lord your God. Now, he's not telling us how to teach our children yet. He's telling us. If you get this idea that my job as a parent is to tell my children to love God, then I will probably fail. My job as a parent and your job as a follower of Jesus Christ at any stage of your life is for you to love God. For you to love God. They're going to follow your lead. And so you love the Lord your God. How? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. He says, make this. And he says, very interesting here. He says, um, I love the Lord. So he's a, the Lord. And then he says, the Lord our God is one. This is really not a monotheistic, a one God statement. We do believe in one God. There's only one God, uh, the, the true God. But this is really, he, what he's really, he's saying here is, I want you to love the Lord your God and have him be one in your life. It means uh, undivided. It means not, not drawn away or exclusive in love. That, that if you will love the Lord your God, not just sometimes, not just when it's convenient, not just now and then, if you will totally put blinders to everything else and love the Lord your God, that's what he wants for you so that you can have these other things as well. And most importantly, a relationship with him. So here's what it means. If you're, if you're young, here's what you're, you have young children, by the way. Uh, here's what you're going to struggle with. You're going to struggle with uh, these, these things that would divide you, these decisions that would take you away from the people of God, the house of God, the, the ways of God. You're going to have hobbies. You're going to have sports events. You're going to have parents doing a million things. And there's this like thing in the back of your mind. It's like, I wonder if my kids are falling behind. 
I wonder if my kids are, are getting behind. And a lot of times the answer is, yeah, but it's soccer. It's okay, you know. <laughs> or, or, you know, sometimes it's, it's uh, I wonder if my kids are getting behind. I remember one time uh, we were at the uh, little bookstore kids were small and and uh, this parent was like saying this stuff to their kid really loud so that I could hear and Creed was looking at books but I mean he was little he was looking at them and you know chewing them up and eating them you know type of thing and and but this parent was like no no son you're at a level three this book's a level one I was like oh give me a break you know they were saying that for my you you know and I it was all I could do not to go hey Creed go beat up Mr. Level three yeah you know (laughs) you know it's I didn't but I thought it and so it's it but it's this idea look we kind of I we got to make sure that they're prospering in their spiritual relationship. We've got to make sure that that's most important. I love sports. I, you, you know, I love hobbies. My hobbies are reading books, but I love doing I mean, and so there's no problem with that. There's a problem when it divides you, when it takes you away from those things. And how do we love it? With our heart, with our soul, with our strength. Jesus repeats this. Uh, this is repeated in the New Testament. This is the one command. Love the Lord, your God. Everything else will flow from this when you get this one right. I mean, it really is all you need. In the New Testament, he talks about, and love your neighbor as yourself. But when you love God, you love the people around you that Jesus loved so much he died for them. I mean, this is it. This is the one that you need. So how do you love him? First of all, you love him with your heart. Your heart, in, in uh, Hebrew terms, is your physical being. It is your body. Uh, Jesus actually adds the word mind because by the time that Jesus comes along, uh, the the people of uh, Alexander the Great had conquered and brought in a Greek philosophy, which we still have today. And we think of our our body and our mind as separate. And so that's fine. That's what Jesus does. But the Hebrew just, look, if you can touch it, that's what we're talking about. And so that's your mind as well. And so love the Lord your God with all of your physical being. With all of where you go, with all of what you touch, with all of what you see, with all of what you hear, with how you speak with your mouth, love the Lord your God in the inside, in all these ways. Love Him physically. That is your heart. Your soul is spiritual. That is the, that, that is the emotion. That is the, I pray to the Lord my God. That is the, the deep longing of our heart when we know there's something that God has for us. We know that God has this thing, this, I love you, Jesus, deeply. Now, this is what we, we talked about this week with, with all that we're doing in this season right here. So, so uh, we love the Lord our God this morning with our soul. You, you sang out to God. You praise God in this moment. We love the Lord our God in that way. And it's such a, uh, an important part of Christianity for you to... Uh, physically and verbally worship God. Now, uh, Josh told you we're going to three services in a few weeks. Listen, don't just look around and say there's still chairs here. That's true. But we, we, we're we going to fill up our parking lot and we're almost at capacity during this service in our children's. And so the reason we want you to move to the 815 is so that we can have capacity for people because new people aren't going to, our guests aren't going to be like, oh yeah, there's only 25 children in there. Let's go ahead and put, you know, let's go ahead and squeeze them in. That's not going to happen. And so, so we want you to worship, but we just want you to worship at 815. And so come at 815 now. Uh, and and uh, also we want you to, to know people here. Listen, look around. I don't know all of you. You don't know all of you. That's okay. This is not the environment for you to know everyone. It's not. 
And that, that's, that's okay. It's not, it's not even a good environment. You might meet a few people, but you're not going to develop relationships in this environment. You're, you, that's, that's just not going to happen. But we do have environments for you to do that. That's your groups. Don't miss next week. Don't miss signing up for a group and being a part of that. Listen, because if you do, you'll be like, yeah, it's real big, but they're not really friendly. They're super friendly. You will have life-changing relationships if you will invest in a group long enough to see those things. We do. I mean, we have, we have wonderful life-changing relationships with the, the people who are in our group now and people that we've been in groups for, for in different times and different seasons. And so be a part of that. Lastly, um, serve. I want you to love the Lord your God with your soul, but I want you to serve and to help our church function and operate. And so one of the biggest needs, in fact, the only one I'm going to mention today, is to help us in our children's ministry. We, uh, I mean, we are hitting, we will hit very soon over 200 children uh, just in our children's ministry. And so there's an incredible, incredible need. Some of you have gotten this weird thing in your mind that is going to happen if you help in the children's ministry. You're like, I don't know very much about the Bible. That's okay. We don't need uh, all of them to be teachers. We need some of you uh, to hang out with them before and play games. We need, we need some of you to direct them to different places. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Do. And so we want you to be a part of that. It really is a wonderful, wonderful ministry. And I think it's one of the most directly impactful because think about it. Children walk in there. I guarantee you there will be at least a dozen kids over there this morning who hear the name of Jesus for the very first time. That's life-changing ministry. That is a privilege that is beyond. There's no other name given to men by which we must be saved, the name of Jesus. And so you're going to have an opportunity as soon as we're done today. Over in this corner uh, is Kimberly. Uh, she's our children's pastor, and she can talk to you about what it looks like to serve in children's ministry. I want you to sign up and to be a part of that. Love the Lord your God with your soul. These are how you have an abundant life. Finally, he says, love the Lord your God with your strength. Now, strength doesn't necessarily mean physical strength. It doesn't mean, uh, because that's the, the physical part. Strength means volitional. I choose. That the word volition is, is I make a conscious choice. How? With my body and with my soul, I make a choice to serve God. And I do it with my strength to serve him again and again and again and again. A conscious choice to do that. So, um, that's for you to do. Now, let me show you, if you don't do that, let me put a little bit of fear of God into you. And here's the statement. What is optional for one generation becomes irrelevant for the next generation. If you, the things of God and the ways of God and, and, and connecting with God is something that you do from time to time or when nothing else comes up, then what will happen is the next generation, they saw you do as optional, it's just irrelevant because it is easier just to not come to church. It is easier just to not stay and serve more. It's easier to do that, but we pass on to our children that, ah, eh, it's no big deal. I, I, you know, it was come and go for me. And so what's optional for you as a parent will become irrelevant for your children. So you follow the Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, here's what we're hearing today, and you've been told a lie, a lot of it. Here's the lie. The lie is, is that young people, as they move off to uh, their next place in life, whatever that is, that they're leaving the church in droves. It's not true. It's absolutely not true. Let me explain to you what's, what's happening. 
for the history of America. There's been about 25% of the population that want nothing to do with Jesus Christ and Christianity. I know that when you watch Andy Griffith, you think everyone goes to church on Sunday mornings, and that's not true. Even back way before our day, there's always been 25%. You even read the, church, uh, the uh, American history, there's always been 25%. It's like, nah, I don't want it. That's always been the case. There's also always been a 25% around there group of people who love and serve Jesus. That has remained incredibly consistent in the life of America. These are people who don't just say they're Christians, who live out their faith who make decisions based on what Jesus wants. So you've got the, the, the ones that are saying no, you've got the ones that are saying yes, and you've got about 50% in the middle that, that tends to go uh, from the extreme over here to the extreme over here, but they're still in the middle. If you think about America up until this present age, if you wanted to sell an insurance policy here in town, you had to be a member of a church. If you wanted to do something that, that was, I mean, there was social pressure on you to go to church some, especially in the South. And so you went to church some, you, 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 and you probably even said, well, of course I'm a Christian, uh, you know, I ain't no Buddhist, right? That, that, I mean, that's, that, that's Texan. And you said those things, but here's what's happening. That 50%, they don't have to pretend anymore. They don't have to, you, you know, it's, it's becoming more and more socially acceptable to go, no, nah, we don't go to church, we're really not uh, that way. And that's, that's becoming more and more acceptable. And so what's happening is that group of people in the middle, they're not going to church at all, they're not bringing their kids to church at all, and they're not, and so that group is going away. They were never a part of the church to begin with. They were never followers of Jesus. They were culturally going to church some. And so they're starting to go away where they don't go and they just reject. They reject the idea of nominal Christianity that their parents showed them. They reject the idea of like, oh, yeah, we go when it's convenient. Or we, you know, we go on Christmas and Easter because we got to show our props to Jesus. And they, they, they completely reject that, which actually makes them easier to spot for us as Christians. Because in past years... There was like, I mean, there was a lot more mix. Now, don't look around today and assume that because everyone's in this building, they're Christians. That's not true. You can be in the doghouse. It doesn't make you a chihuahua. It doesn't. So, you, same way, you can, be in, you can be in the church and not be a Christian. But I'm telling you, our children, here's the one thing, and, and this is from research, not from just someone who wrote a book. Our children, the true Christians, are incredibly good at passing on their Christianity to the next generation. They are incredibly good at it. And so we have to be the ones that say we follow the Lord Jesus Christ, how with our heart, our soul, and our strength. And then what do we do with our children? Verse 6, we put these words I'm giving you today there to be in your heart. We repeat them to our children we talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up, bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. So he says, okay, you want to pass this on to the next generation? In other words, hey, you want to pack this suitcase? You love the Lord your God, but here's how you actually pack the suitcase. Here's actually what you do. And he says, first of all, he says, you repeat these things. 
Not you say these things, you repeat them over and over and over again. What? The commands of God, the scriptures of God, you repeat them over and over. I mean, it ought to be so much so that the kids are like, we know, we heard it already. Those type of things, They, they, they need to hear it a million times. He says, you put this lesson on your heart. You love the Lord your God so that it's most consistent. Now, I'm going to remind you today, so all of us that still have children at home, we're going to go home and do it a little bit better. I mean, that's just normal. You're like, oh man, I hadn't talked about Jesus with my kids for a while. You're like, come on kids, let's talk about it. But that's not, the idea is to start today and then repeat it, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it over and over and over again. Uh, you, 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 you bring that, the church is incredibly helpful, by the way, of helping you do this. When you make church a regular priority, there's going to be moments where it just, it kicks in and, and it helps, like, validate, validate what you have been saying. Last year, uh, they were having a retreat at, at, uh, for, the, for the students, and the male leaders were staying at my house, and, uh, and Creed was there. And I'll never forget, after the weekend— Creed and I were talking, and he was so impressed. Now, these are, these are college students. These are just a little bit past where he was. Not adults. I mean, just a little bit past. It was a great lesson. And, and he was so impressed because they were sleeping all over the living room. They were everywhere. And he watched them wake up and go and go to a corner of the house and just open their Bible and start reading it. That impressed him to no end. I mean, it was like, he said, Dad, did you see that? I was like, yeah, I did. And he, he, he started trying to do that. And my wife later on goes, Joker has seen you his entire life. Get up and read your Bible. Yeah, I mean, I mean you, you know, like, I mean, like the whole, like, they know where I am. They, they op- sometimes he'll open the door while I'm reading my Bible and he'll, he'll say something stupid. Just, you, you know, like he knows what I'm doing in there. But he's hundreds of times. And that kid, you know, a couple of those kids do it once. He's like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. You know, you're like, okay. He got it, you know, and so we help you. We want to help you, but you've got to repeat these, and you've got to talk to them, and you're going to have to, you're going to, have to show them the commands. He says, these are the statutes and commands. This is what the Bible says about this. This is what the, and, and show them over and over and over again. Now, also within our day, you're going to have to combat those things that they're being taught by the world that are just unbiblical. You're going to have to just, okay, what did you learn today? All right, let's, let's talk about the truth. What did you see? Let's, let's talk about reality because, because that's not who we are as believers. And you're out in the world, you're going to see those things. So a great quote by John Wesley, who's the founder of the Methodist Church, this is it. What is tolerated by one generation will be embraced by the next. You're going to have to teach your children the commands of Scripture. You're going to have to teach them what is and isn't right, what is and isn't acceptable. And if you don't say anything about it, and you're just like, oh, you know, then guess what? It, it will be embraced. We're seeing that across the board with so many kids uh, and what is uh, not being combated with Scripture. And so we repeat these over and over again. Where do we repeat them? He says, when you sit down and when you get up to walk, when you lie down, when you get up in the morning. What's he saying there? He's saying, listen, as a parent... If you have children at home, you are never off. Thanks, Cody. I mean, I, I know that I, I get the I, I get the looks, especially for those of you who have you know lots of kids or, or preschoolers at home that require a lot of attention all the time. You are never off. 
That's what being a parent is. You're, you're, you're not. And, and the moment that you think, you know, like, well, this is, is, no, is the moment that you miss out on these opportunities. You are never off. And once, uh, frankly, once you accept these things, they're not as difficult. It's when you fight against them and you're, oh, this is so hard. No, it's, it's not. It, trust us. Trust the LaFrances, the Duns, and the Whitfields who all became empty nesters this year. It's that, baby. It's quick. It's quick, quick, quick. She's shaking her head. She, she knows it's true. It's, it's unbelievable. And so when you, you know, like, hey, I'm never off. I'm always their parent. And I'm always taking these moments to go, ooh, let's talk about this. Ooh, let's talk about this. One of the best ways that you can do that is really, really, and I mean greatly limit screen time with your little children especially. Because you're going to miss out on those moments that it just pops up. That it just comes up to, to say, hey, let's talk about that. I mean, when they go to the grocery store, don't just stick them in front of something. So, you know, stick an iPad in front of them. Let's talk about it. Because sooner or later, once, you're going to have an important lesson provided to you by the fine folks at HEB. I'm telling you, you will. I'm telling you. Now, it's going to happen once or twice, but you're going to miss it if the other times you just let them. I, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't always put on a DVD uh, when they're driving down the road. Don't do it. There's going, I mean, you know, especially when they're 14 or 15, I remember all of a sudden teaching my kids, hey, drive like a Christian. Uh, I mean, like that was a lesson. You're like, I don't know if that guy's a Christian, but he's not driving like one. He's a jerk. You know, he's aggressive. He won't let you drive like a Christian. Back off. Come on in. Merge. It's Bastrop. It's not traffic. Uh, I mean, you know, at least when the bridge gets done, it will be that way, right? Uh, So, so really. And then in verse 20, we're not going to read it. He says, he says, when you do these things, he says, and when your son asks you, what does this mean? See, when you do it, when you lie down and when you get up, when you walk, and when you, when you, and there's going to be a moment where your kid will be like, hey, dad, hey, mom, and oh, let's pack the suitcase a little bit more. They want to know. You're not going, all right, open your Bibles, Deuteronomy chapter six. Uh, no, no, you're going, oh. they want to know. They want, they want to know. So it happened to me, it, it, God does this often just for me to be able to use illustrations. Uh, he's really good that way. But I mean, it happened to me this week. I mean, Creed has this unbelievable resource of biblical knowledge. So he goes, hey, dad, what does it mean? And he calls me and I'm like, oh, you know, I, I mean, I study your seminary. Woo-hoo! You know, I get to tell him something. I mean, when he calls for algebra, I'm like, talk to your mother. Uh, yeah, you know, but when it's, when it's seminary, man, and he did, he called me this week and asked me a Bible question. It was awesome. It was awesome. So he says, and then finally, he says, Another idea of reminding them, he says, bind them on your uh, arms, put them on your uh, uh, doorposts. I, sh- I showed you one. This is, this is called a phylactery. Uh, Orthodox Jews will still wear these today. When he says bind them up, some Orthodox Jews take it literally, and they still, they will repeat this phrase, which is called the Shema. It means here. That's the first word. Here, O Israel, uh, the Lord your God is one. And so they'll, they'll do that, like a physical reminder and so sometimes they'll wear boxes on their head. Sometimes they'll have them on the doorpost. But it's a physical reminder. I want to show you a picture of what I think is a, is a more modern way to do this consistently. Let me show you this next picture. This is a Google Calendar. And it is a great, great 
modern tool that we have. I don't know who Stuart, we just pulled this off the web, so I hope he doesn't mind. So here, the, uh, so don't be looking at the specifics saying, what's Cody doing this week, all right? Uh, uh, it's just, but, but that's all that is. If you will schedule it in and put it in, you can bind them on the doorpost. You, I mean, you're like, no, 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 this is the time to come to church. This is the time to serve. This is the time to go to group. This is the time. And, and it's, just, it's amazing how over a lifetime, it really does. It really does pay off. If you want to send your children away with a packed suitcase, then you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and strength. So the question today is, do you love Jesus? Let's pray. Right where you are today, I'm going to invite you to bow your heads. Do you love Jesus? I mean, please don't give me a religious answer. I, I was baptized. I went through catechism. I went through confirmation. I go to church. I, that, that's not the question. Those are all great things. I did first communion. What, those are all great things. Do you love Jesus? The first and greatest command is to love the Lord your God. He loves you. The Bible says that God demonstrates his love for us. And while we were sinners, Jesus died for us. Jesus loves you. So when you love God, you're not the one instigating the love. You're the one reciprocating the love that has already been shown to you to reflect it back. Thank you, Jesus, that I was unlovely. I was in sin, and you loved me. That relationship begins with the story of Jesus dying on the cross for those sins, being buried in the tomb, and being raised on the third day. Today, you can have Christ come into your life and just say, I want to serve you as the Lord my God. You are in charge. I want to serve you as the God who loves me so much that you died for me on the cross. Today, if you would like to have that relationship, it's truly a love relationship in the most purest, wonderful, beautiful sense of the word with God, then you can start that today. If you have your children with you or your children are over in the children's ministry, pray for them. Even those of you who, are, who have way adult children, pray for your son, your grandson, the future generations. It is never too late for you to begin a relationship with Jesus and to repeat these things in the show and to make a new tomorrow for your children, your grandchildren, for future generations. Father, we thank you for those who are serving in children's ministry today. God, we thank you for the children who are over there who are hearing the name of Jesus. We thank you, God. I thank you, God, for all that you are bringing to River Valley. It's really impressive, and I'm so thankful and grateful. May we be a people who love the Lord our God with all of our heart, all of our physical being, with all of our soul, all of our spiritual self, all of our strength, all of our volitional choices that we make. God, we love you. Amen. Thank you for listening. I pray that the message gave you hope, that you were inspired, you were challenged. And I want to also encourage you that if you'd like to join us live, you can go to myrivervalley.church or download the River Valley app for more info about service times, directions, and ministries. And thank you for giving. Your generosity and how you serve as our church family is so important to us. You are helping reach people for the gospel of Jesus. 
You can go to myrivervalley.church give for more details there as well. We'll see you next week.